Hey everybody, it's Dan. Welcome or welcome back to the Bridge Church Podcast. Please, at the end of this episode, take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and head over to bridgechurchutah.com and have access to all of the church information and it's the easiest way to share content with a friend and keep up with everything going on around here at Bridge Church. Most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. All right, let's stand together. Let's get ready to receive. We're going to finish our series today on the cross, the importance of the cross, because that's why we're here. That's kind of important. Today is probably the most important of the four, right? The resurrection. We'll talk about that. Amen. Amen. Stick your hands out like this. And we are going to get ready to receive this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, the name above every name, Lord. Father, we come into this house. And Father, we celebrate the resurrection today. We celebrate your sacrifice for us, Lord, so we can be all those things we discussed earlier. We can be healed. We can be free. We don't have to deal with depression. We don't have to deal with who we are. Lord, you tell us who we are. We are victors. So, Father, as we're in this place ready to receive your word today, Lord, we thank you for rising from the dead. We thank you that the tomb is empty. And, Father, as we speak your word today, God, we receive it into our heart in Jesus' name. And if you can agree with that, say amen. 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 You may be seated. I want to welcome everybody on the podcast and the stream today. Thank you for joining us. Like, share, and all that junk, however that works on YouTube. I want to encourage you today, uh, if you don't have a handout to get one, uh, we are going to cover a lot of scripture, and I'm not going to wait for you to find it or write it down. We're just going to roll, okay? So look at your neighbor and say, get a handout, okay? All right. So we're going to conclude the series, and uh, I'm excited because Paul says this. He said... He said that he was determined not to know anything but Jesus and him crucified. That's all that mattered to him. And if it matters to Paul, it matters to me. Because it's kind of a big deal that we understand what happened. And and most people put it together with the crucifixion on Jesus on Friday. And yeah, he rose from the dead on Sunday. And oh, yay. But how many of you know there was so much more that took place from the time he died on the cross to the time he rose from the dead? And that, my friends, is what we're going to talk about today. So the cross of Jesus consists of four things. The Garden of Gethsemane, it all started there where I believe, and I've said this before, that that was probably the most critical part to the whole process because um, Jesus was... was, uh, agonizing to the point of death in the garden, so much so that he bled, uh, sweat, drops of blood, <laughs> sweaty drops of blood. Why can't I say that, right? And that so he was so much at the point of death that an angel had to come to strengthen him. And that was in the garden. That was like before anything even happened. We saw the trial of Jesus where Caiaphas and Pilate pronounced him innocent. That was important. Caiaphas didn't even realize, but he was selecting the, the sacrifice by produce, pronouncing him innocent. We, last week on Palm Sunday, we talked about Jesus dying on the cross. He spent three to three and a half hours on the cross. It wasn't very long. 
Um, we saw that uh, Joseph of Arimathea carried his cross, and um, you know um, they put him in the tomb, and that's kind of where we left off. And uh, we're going to talk about the resurrection on Resurrection Sunday. Is that okay? So there was something that took place between the time Jesus died on the cross and the time he was found in the tomb. But Mary saw him at the tomb. It's important what happened in that span, right? Nobody talks about this, but if it wasn't for that point in time, for those three days, uh, it was so important. It was necessary for our redemption, our righteousness, and our salvation. That's how important those three, hours, those three days were. So let's start with where Jesus wasn't. Okay, because he went someplace between the cross and the tomb. He, he, you know, they took him to the tomb, but something happened in the spiritual realm during that time. So let's start with where he wasn't. In John 20, Mary goes to the tomb and she sees that the tomb's open and she looks in and it's empty. And she's asking the two angels who are there and she says, Where is the Savior? And just as she's asking that, she hears a voice from behind her who says, Mary. And she goes, Rabboni, or literally Jesus, teacher, right? And then they have this conversation. And of course, Mary's a woman. And if anybody knows women, what do they want to do when they see a husband or somebody they love they haven't seen in a long time? Run and hug. And Jesus is like, hold the phone. He says this. He says, do not cling to me, for I have not, listen to this, this is interesting. He says, for I have not ascended to my Father. Don't touch me, I haven't ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and tell him, I am ascending to my Father, and your Father, and to my God, and to, say it, your God. So we can see clearly by this, Jesus isn't in heaven, Right? He's not in the tomb. He's not in heaven. And he's telling her, chill for a second. Don't touch me. I love that. It's my favorite scripture in all the Bible. <laughs> Don't touch me. Okay? If you knew me, it would be funnier than that. <laughs> the front row is laughing, and I guess that's all that matters. So we can see that Jesus isn't in heaven. He's not in the, he's not in the tomb. He's at the tomb, right? Talking to Mary. But in Matthew 12, Jesus himself says this. He says, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Well, if he's standing at the tomb, obviously he's not there. But maybe he's been there. Okay? Because it was important for him to be, to take care of redemption for all of us. Okay? So here's my question. Why, this, this has baffled me for years, why was Jesus agonizing so bad in the garden? And if you've been here, we've talked about this, but ignore that, okay? But here's the thing. Why was Jesus so upset in the garden? The garden, he goes there to pray all the time. I mean, it wasn't physical death. It wasn't that they were going to kill him. They've been trying to kill him since he was an infant, it was something deeper than that, and I'm going to tell you today what that was. Turn to Luke 16, okay? In Luke 16, this is a story of a rich guy and Lazarus, 
And for all of you Wednesday nighters who come, I want to share this, right? The context of this story is, is we're talking about finances and money, right? But I want to show you some things in this story that pertain to what we're talking about today because there are certain words that are used that stick out. And if you come on Wednesday on the, at the mid, we're going to talk about how to read your Bible. And we're going to look at some study techniques that words that stick out mean certain things, right? So that's Wednesday night at 7, a little side commercial right there. You're welcome, okay? So Luke 16, this is the story of the rich man and Lazarus. A couple verses before, like verse 12 or 13, is where Jesus says men cannot serve two masters, mammon and, you know, that whole thing. So the context of this story is money and rich people because the Pharisees thought if you were rich and wealthy, you were blessed by God, which isn't the case because money has nothing to do with anything, right? Sometimes you're just stinking lucky, right? So Luke 16, we're going to start in verse 19. This is a great story. I love this story, but listen to what's happening, okay? There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate. Some people, now we'll talk about this, there's, there's parables and analogies and stories. This has been referred to as a parable. But let me share something with you about Bible interpretation. It cannot be a parable if there is a certain person. This is a, a truth in the story where Jesus is saying, this, is, this really happened. This is a certain person, and this really happened, Okay. Verse 21, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Okay, so we got two guys, right? Verse 22, so it was that the beggar died and was carried by angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Okay, newsflash for everybody. We got two guys. They're both dead. Everybody go, oh, that's terrible. Yeah, that's terrible. Okay, verse 23. And being in torments in Haiti, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Okay, this just got real deep right here. Verse 24. And he cried and said, Father Abraham. Hmm, certain words in the Bible mean things. That means he must have been part of the family if he's calling him father. Have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger, right, in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. He's, he's not having any fun. It's very painful, right? Abraham said, son, son means something, right? In, that, uh, in your lifetime you receive good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us, between you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here cannot, or to here to you cannot, nor can those from there to pass to us. Right? You can't, you can, let's just sum up, right? <laughs> Two guys, both are dead. One is in a place of torment, we could call it Hades, hell, Sheol, whatever you want. There's another guy, a poor beggar, who's in what's called Abraham's bosom. In other words, 
Another other words used for this place could be paradise and others. All right, let's move on here. Verse 27, and then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. Listen to the concern of the man who's in Hades. For I have five brothers that he may testify to them. He's talking about sending somebody from here to there to tell them what's going on, lest they also become to this place of torment. Somebody tell them what's going on here so that you can make a decision there not to come here. Listen to his heart, right? Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. Remember the, the time of this story, right? Still old covenant. And he said to them, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded by the one who rises from the dead, speaking clearly of Jesus and his resurrection, right? Hard-headed people aren't going to listen. All right, a couple of things. This is a great story. Let's talk about some things here because this is a clear picture of of what happens because both these guys died but they didn't cease to exist if you have questions about heaven and hell is it real does God send people there read this story very carefully because we clearly see that there's two compartments in the belly of the earth one called Abraham's bosom place of paradise there's another one called hell Sheol Hades whatever name you want to put on it um, you know Victorville whatever ah place you want to call it right there the place of torment okay so there's three things I want you to understand about this story if you have a handout it's on there number one paradise is a place of comfort okay paradise is a place of comfort those who believed in the God of Abraham went there Right? If you were a follower, if you were part of the, the Jew, you came up on the religious culture of the time, you went to Abraham's bosom. This is, remember our timeline before Jesus died. Okay? Before Jesus, they went to Abraham's bosom, right? Hades, hell, Sheol, whatever you want to call it, is a place of the unrighteous, kind of important, unrighteous dead. Okay? Uh, those uh, uh, those were, were people who did not believe or had no affiliation with the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, nothing. Didn't believe anything. All right? So there's two compartments. Once everybody goes to one of these two. It's clear. Okay? Third thing is it's impossible to go from one place to the other. Big, great gulf fixed means there's a grand canyon in the way and you cannot walk from here to there. You can't fly, you can't take a bus, you can't call an Uber, you can't, nothing. I don't care, you're not going from one place to the other. Do you know what this tells me? Which is number one on your handout, you make your decision for salvation here before the lights go out. That's kind of an important decision to make because this is, this is either Hades or Abraham's bosom, right? Are you a believer or not? Okay? Everything matters. Your choice is determined on the earth. Hebrews 9, verse 27. 
as it is appointed for men to die once. You die one time. But after this, the judgment. There's no purgatory. There's no holding. There's no, wait a second, I got to make a call. There's no, let me talk to my pastor. Let me phone a friend. Ain't going to happen. You choose to make your decision here. Here, before the lights go out. Okay? It's, it's important that we understand that. The heart of the earth, right? Now, Jesus has said, Jesus' mouth Remember, in Bible interpretation, Jesus' words trump everything. Jesus himself said, the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Okay? We just determined what the, the heart of the earth is. Right? One's paradise. One is hell, Sheol, Hades, whatever. But listen, remember when Jesus was on the cross with, his, with uh, two thieves? Right? Kind of been a theme today. We've been talking about him. One accused him and the other one backed him up. And Jesus looked at the other guy and he said, Assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Right? Didn't he say that? Okay, so we can see for sure, if Jesus is telling this man, you will be with me today in paradise. Right? Interesting thought about this. We all know the Bible's inspired, right? Is the, punctuation, uh, is the punctuation, the commas and letters and stuff, are they inspired by God? No. Because listen to this. This is just a little rabbit trail that I don't have time to go down, but we're going to do this anyway. Right? Listen to this verse. Right? He says, Surely I say to you, comma, today you will be with me in paradise. Sounds like, Dom, today you're going to be with me in paradise. Right? Listen, what about this statement? What if, surely I say to you today, you will be comma, you will be with me in paradise. Now it sounds like I'm telling you this today that we're going to be in paradise. Right? Think about the Greek language. All capital letters written right to left with no punctuation. It was up to the translators to figure that out. I believe they kind of missed it in this one. I kind of think they missed it in Isaiah 50, whatever, where the, the, the enemy comes in like a flood. Remember that scripture? I could quote it, but I'd mess it up. I think that comma's in the wrong place, too. I think the punctuation has some issues, right? Okay, end of rabbit trail. Let's go back. So we can see, to, if he's telling the, the, the criminal that you will be with me in paradise, obviously Jesus is going to paradise, whether it's today or tomorrow or whenever, Okay. The, the timing doesn't matter. What matters is that he's going. Okay, now, he says he's going to the belly of the earth. How, this is going to freak people out, so get ready. How, if Jesus is going to the belly of the earth, he's going to paradise, of course, because that's where the saints are. He has to go get them. But what if Jesus, the Son of God, visits the other place to be spiritually dead? Right? Acts 2.27, Peter is preaching. Peter is, is preaching this sermon after Pentecost. Peter quotes Psalm 16, which is um, prophecy of Jesus. And he says this. Peter, quoting David in Psalm 16, says, You will not leave my soul in Hades, hell, or Sheol. Prophecy of Jesus. Right? 
the actual psalm, Psalm 16, verse 10, you can't leave somebody someplace where if they don't go there, right? You will not leave my soul in Sheol. You can't leave somebody there if they don't go there first, right? And of course, the, the mainline one of Revelation, John's Revelation, chapter 1, verse 5, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and ruler over the kings of the earth. Firstborn of the dead. I did some extensive research on that word dead. You know what dead means? Dead. dead. Yeah, you're basically expired. Firstborn from the dead. The people who were sent to this place were unbelievers, people who did not have relationship with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? Sound like anybody you know in this place, right? Everybody who was raised from the dead, the Old Testament saints, you think of Lazarus, who was obviously a follower of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When Jesus raised him, he was in Abraham's bosom. Obviously, Abraham's in Abraham's bosom. Otherwise, it would be called Bob's bosom or Bob's big boy or something, right? <laughs> right? Adam, all the prophets, Samuel, David, everybody is there. It would be cool to have a walk around meet and greet in that place, wouldn't it? Just to say hey to everybody. But how many of you know that all these saints and all the followers of the God of Jacob and, and Isaac, Abraham, and Jacob are all in this place? And how many of you know they can see over to the other, other place and see their friends over there? They could see their family over there. They could see people that they know over there. What would that do to your heart a little bit? Wouldn't that make you kind of go, eh? People who followed after the Messiah were in Abraham's bosom, but most of the people of their friends were over there, Right? Let's keep going with this because Jesus went to both places. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, talks about it even further. He says, verse 7, but to each one of us, grace given according to the measure of Christ's gift, which was immeasurable. Therefore, he says, right, this is again quoting Psalm 68, a, a prophecy of Jesus, when he ascended on high, he led captivity cap captive and gave gifts unto men. When he ascended on high. Obviously, Jesus is in heaven, right? Verse 9, listen carefully to this. He, uh, now this, he ascended. What does it mean that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? That's a Greek word, meros. Greek word literally regions of the earth. It's a plural word. Both areas of the belly of the earth, like Jonah's prophecy, Jesus visits both. 1 Peter 3, 18 and 19 says this, for Christ also suffered once for sins. I just Let me just say this little, somebody should write that down and believe it. Because there's somebody in here or watching online, you are punishing yourself for your past. And either Jesus paid for your sins once or he didn't. And you can pay for your own sins. 
But you, Jesus paid for his, your sins one time. One time. Quit crucifying yourself for your own sin if he paid for it. Amen. Off the soapbox. Thank you very much. Suffered once for sins, the just Jesus for the unjust, Pastor Dan, that he might bring us to God. Listen to this. Being put to death in the flesh, but being alive in the spirit, by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison. Just a question. Would you put righteous people or unrighteous people in prison? What would common sense say? Unrighteous people. So the unrighteous people would be in hell, Sheol, Hades. Jesus preached to them and just said, Paul said it, not me, so blame him. Jesus, the Son of God, visited the saints. I, I always think about this. This is one of the trippiest things that I can't wait to get to heaven and ask about was the Mount of Transfiguration, right? We got Jesus. He takes Peter, James, and John with him, and they're over here horsing around. Jesus is over here. This light shows up. We got Moses and Elijah. Moses represents the law. Elijah re represents the prophets, and they're having a discussion, and the Bible tells us they're talking about his death. And I'm like, man, I want to, I would be like, these guys are over here. Hey, let's build some shacks and have a barbecue and have some fun. They should have been listening instead of building shanties, right? <laughs> They're talking about Jesus' death. And I believe Jesus was standing there telling those guys, hang on a little bit longer. Tell everybody I'm going to be there in a minute to pick you guys up. Got to deal with these guys first and then I'll be there. Right? And I can't wait just to hear what was the conversation. It's like, what were you guys talking about? Talking about me? Because that would be cool. <laughs> Have Moses, Elijah, and Jesus talking about you and how you're not saved. It'd be like, what? Wait. No. He was alive in the spirit. Right? So let me ask you this question. When did Jesus become alive in the spirit? Because obviously he was put to death in the flesh. He, he was, uh, when he was put into the tomb, all this is taking place spiritually. Jesus is going to these places, right? Isaiah 53, verse 8. There's a, a Levitical term in here. Can I do this without those? All right, we'll try it. He says, there's a Levitical term in here I want you to notice, and it's very critical to the way things worked in like Leviticus 16. Okay, it says this. He says, he was taken from pr uh, prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? This is the phrase right here I want you to see. For he was cut off from the land of the living. He, capital H, capital, well, not capital E, but capital H. He was cut off from the land of the living for the transgressions of my people he was stricken. That word, that phrase for he was cut off from the land of the living is a Levitical phrase. And if we went to Leviticus 16, they talk about the day of atonement and how stinking important the day of atonement was. Big day for the high priest. This is it. This showtime. They select two goats, not one, two goats for the day of atonement in Israel. Listen to this type and shadow. They choose by rolling lots, right? They go to the craps table and they choose these two goats. These two goats were pets. They had to be perfect in every area, not a flaw in them. They choose one of the goats 
is the goat for the sacrifice. The other goat is called a scapegoat. The high priest on the day of atonement, Chase is going to be my scapegoat, the high priest comes and he lays his hand on the head of the goat and pronounces the sins of Israel upon that goat. Blah, 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 yakety, yakety, yak. Right? Bam! The high priest guard come, they fix their hair, <laughs> and here's what happens. They take that goat who represents the sin of Israel, and they lead it out three days into the wilderness. At the same time that's happening, they hack up the other goat and they use the blood of that goat as the sacrifice for Israel's sin and the Holy of Holies. This is happening at the same time. They lead that goat three days into the wilderness and they let it off with the leash. He is out there cut off from the land of the living. And this thing's a pet. It doesn't have any idea where to get food, where to get water, how to survive. That thing dies out there quickly because they had to cut their sin off from their whole, their whole system, right? It was, it was amazing to know that this goat, just like Jesus, is carrying the sin of the nation. And here's a simple reminder. Jesus carried the sin, not just for me, not just for you, but for everybody from Adam to now until he returns, which will be soon. Could be today. That'd be kind of nice because it's hot in here. Anybody else hot? It's hot, right? Jesus will return. Jesus is carrying the sin for everybody, and he's going to pay the price for that sin, more than he already has, right? The claims of justice, because God is just, have to be satisfied. Number two on your handout, Jesus was both the sacrifice and the scapegoat. He was both at the same time. His blood was given in the Holy of Holies, and he was led to the land of the living. Where is the land of the living, you ask? Thanks for asking. Hell, Sheol, Hades, defined by absolute cut off from God. That's what hell is. Hell wasn't designed for us. Hell was designed for the angels who left with Lucifer. But if you don't have relationship with the Lord, guess what? You're not in Abraham's bosom or the place of paradise. You are. That's just the way it's set up. It's just the way... It works. There's two categories of people. That, the, they're both physically dead, but they don't cease to exist. They either torment or paradise, right? The people in Abraham's bosom before this were, were attached to the covenant, so they had a, 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 a contract, right, or a, a blood covenant with the God. They are righteous. They're in the land of the living. The other place is the unrighteous dead. What happens when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? You become righteous automatically. I don't know how that works. You can ask God when you get there, right? But hell is a place of eternal torment, 
right? In Deuteronomy 32, 22, it says, A fire is kindled in my anger, and it shall burn to the lowest hell. It shall consume the earth with her increase. Set a fire on the foundations of the mountains. Psalm 88, again, prophetic of Jesus, right? Verse 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, listen. Listen, this is prophetic of the Lord Jesus on his way to this place, right? For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to the grave. I am counted with those who go down to the pit, pit literally Sheol. I am like a man who has no strength, adrift or floating freely among the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, capital Y, talking to the Lord. Remember, cut off from God. That's the purpose. You chose not to follow the Lord, and you are cut off from him. God doesn't send people there. People send people there. You choose to pay for your own sin. That's the way it works. You have laid me in the lowest pit, again, Sheol, in the darkness, in the depths. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you have afflicted me with, catch this phrasing, with all your waves. Waves is an interesting word there because in, um, in Jonah chapter 2, which I believe is a prophecy of Jesus, G, uh, we all know Jonah's story, right? You saw the VeggieTales movie, right? He's he swallowed up by a giant fish, and he is taken to this place, to the bottom of the ocean, to the lowest point on the earth. And, and just listen to what he says. He says, uh, out of the belly of Sheol, I cried. This is Jonah chapter 2, verse 2-ish, right? He said, uh, out of the belly of Sheol, I've cried. You have heard my voice, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. Oh, your billows and your waves passed over me. That word passed in the Hebrew, avar. It means to pass over and over and over and to go through and to pound and to not cease and not to stop ever our lord is in this place paying for me and what i did and he's getting pounded and pounded and pounded and pounded and the beating never ceases because that's the payment for sin that he paid for knowingly what was going to happen i believe that's why he said in John that I have a, fluff, a fl flood tide of suffering to endure. The whole embodiment of the world of sin is on him, and he's taking it, and it never ends. It's wave. How many of you ever been in the ocean when the surf is up, right? You got six-foot waves, and they, just, they will beat you down. They will hold you. I tried surfing once. Once. Then I decided I'm going to go watch the food on the beach because it's a lot safer. And I was on the board actually doing it. And this was like about a six-foot wave in Huntington Beach, thinking I was somebody. I was a lot younger then. And this thing, I don't know what happened. It like kicked my feet out. I flipped over, and this wave landed on me. And it, I swear to God, it held me on the bottom of the ocean, like facing the sand. And I swear I was there for four hours. It was like... 12 seconds, but I thought I was going to die. So when, when I read the beating that Jesus took over and over, this 
for, for Dominic's sin and Michelle's sin and Lou's sin and everybody's sin is just beating on our Savior and holding him down and he's taking it knowing that he has done this to himself on purpose. Why would you do that? For the joy set before him. And that's everybody in this room. The joy set before him in Hebrews 12 is you and me and everybody on this planet. That's why the seed is so important to tell people about what he did. Especially on Resurrection Day. He paid the price for all of us to live a so-so happy life. Right? Then, Romans 4.25 happened. He said... Who was delivered up because of our offenses, talking about Jesus, and he was raised because of our, tr our justification. The Greek translation says, He was raised when we were justified. When the price was paid, he was raised. The Spirit of God came back into him. Revelation again, Jesus speaking, I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have, listened to this, the keys to Hades and death. Not only did Jesus go pay the price, but then he picked up the authority to go with it. So that we, as his people, according to uh, Luke 10, 17, have that authority to stomp on snakes and scorpions, representing sickness and disease. We can lay hands on the sick and they can recover because of what he did. He ended up not only purchasing us victory, which is amazing, but we have authority now to really push the devil around, right? Number three on your handout, Jesus has the keys to hell and death. Then guess what happens? This is the best part because Jesus has paid that price and whenever the price was paid, whenever God the Father decided that's enough, the price has been paid, the life of God comes back into him, he stands up, walks over, grabs the keys off of the devil's belt, and he says, I now am in charge around here. How many of you in this place want to go with me? And how many of you, all those people that were in the place of the unrighteous dead, were like, um, I'm with you because this is hot and I want out. He probably collected all the souls out of that place. He swings by Abraham's bosom and says, okay, saints, let's go. He cruises by the tomb, picks up his physical body, tells Mary, wait a second, I'll be right back. Because it says in the next verse that later that evening he was there. He goes to heaven, presents his blood in the holy of holies to God the Father, and sits down and says, thank God, that's over. I don't want to do that again, because I paid for the price of sin one time. Jesus has the victory. Colossians 2.15 says, having disarmed principalities and powers, stop letting them push you around. He has disarmed these things. He has fixed it, it is done, made a public spectacle of them, triumphing triumph over them in it. <laughs> Jesus was quickened in the spirit, he was brought back alive, he destroyed the, the works of the evil one. And remember, all this is happening in Sheol, all the people in Abraham's bosom are like, 
watching him do this for them and everybody else that's in there. All those people that were in the unrighteous dead place were like, oh, I'm going with you because you got the power. And then Hebrews 9:12 takes place, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, own blood. He entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. That, not when he was on the cross, not before, that's when redemption for you and for me takes place. When he presented the blood to his father in the holy of holies in heaven. Because the temple on earth is reproduced of what's in heaven. Jesus walked into the holy of holies. Remember, the, the last week, the curtain was torn in half. God never wanted to live in a building made by hands. He wants to live in this building right here. You, me, everybody. That redemption was paid at that point, right? He presents his blood on the altar for everyone, and he goes back to the earth after. All of his disciples are freaking out. Oh, my God, it's a ghost. And he's like, I told you I was coming back. 40 days, he cruises around the earth, teaches some more, has a breakfast on the beach. Come on, somebody. I'll do that. There ain't no beaches around here, but I'll do that, right? He has the authority. He's purchased it. He's paid for sins. There is no reason for anybody in this place not to be free today. You can choose everything that you have in your life because of what Jesus purchased. He purchased, he paid such a high price for it, right? The cross of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus is about the victory won in the land of the unrighteous dead. Wasn't about anything else but winning that price. That's when redemption took place. Jesus paid for our sin. Hell is a real deal thing that's happening right now, right? And when I read this story, when I go through this whole thing, it really makes me love people. Because I don't know if you know this, but I kind of struggle in that area. What? A little bit. Not, not so much anymore. But it helps me to love people because of what Jesus did. And it wasn't just for me. I'm not going to make it that. I'm just going to say, I can love people because, man, if you don't know, how can you pay that price? Right? How can you pay your own price for sin? Why would you want to when it, freedom is available? Right? It's important to understand what Jesus went through and how he bought it, he purchased it, those waves, the redemption, the salvation, the, everything that comes with that sozo life. Right? It's, it's just so important that we understand. It's not about a church. It's not about a pastor. It's not about you know, victory and anything. You know, remember, wealth is a sign that you're not a part of God. That's what this whole story was about. Let me tell you something. I, I was talking to a guy the other day, you know, he's kind of making fun of me because of what I do. I'm used to it by now. I could care less. But he was making fun. He's like, you know, we were talking about hell. And he's like, do you think it's a real place? And I'm like, oh, yeah. Come to church on Sunday or watch it and I'll tell you. He was like, man, I don't know. I don't, I don't believe God sends people to hell and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, you don't even know. You don't even know. 
And remember, the choice that you make is here. He's like, well, if I die, you know, we can pray me through. And I'm like, that's not true. That's not the way this works. You make your choice here. Make your choice now. And, and God is clear. You can choose to pay for your own sin or allow somebody else to do it who's already done it. And then you get to walk in the, we taught a series called Divine Benefits a couple years ago. Man, that's just a ton of stuff that's, that, that we get to have because of it. Now I always say this, accept Jesus, and it's not even like hard, that's about how hard it is, then you got to pray, that's not hard either, and then let us disciple you, let us help you, let us show you how this works, let us teach you, right, we've got anointed teachers here, and people who will mentor you and help you and disciple you. I always say, give us a year and, and, and listen and heed to what we are. That's called being discipled. You know, Jesus didn't want church members. He wanted disciples. Go and make disciples, not church people, right? Be a disciple. Learn what, how, what it's like to follow the Lord. And I guarantee you, in a year, your life will be different. And if it's not, we'll all go to another church, all right? Because it's that critical to know that Jesus died for you and for me, and this is it. One place or the other, your choice. Let's all stand together. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Sandy, South Jordan, West Jordan, or Harriman area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, head over to bridgechurchutah.com or email info at bridgechurchutah.com or you can simply text 801-391-6969. We're looking forward to seeing you soon.